Lesson 7, Part 2 of Elements of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Bosk. Elements of Geology by William Rushenberger. Lesson 7 Influence of External Agents on the Surface of the Earth, Light, Air, and Water. Part 2. Action of the Waves and of Tides. Waves exert an enormous power, particularly where rocks are abrupt and directly exposed to the open sea. The shock is sometimes so great that the earth trembles beneath the feet. Great blocks of stone are torn up and carried far inland, pushed up against the inclination of the shore, sometimes thrown up vertically on projecting points where they afterwards roll about like small pebbles. Heavy banks of sand and of shingle are often removed, and entire countries have been in a moment destroyed. Chronology and tradition of maritime countries furnish numerous instances of successive changes, of instantaneous disasters which have occurred in a great many localities. Immense ones have taken place, and every day new ones occur on low, sandy coasts, bordering the sea, in many parts of the world. We have famous examples from the mouths of the Scheld to the canal of the Jutland, where the Bosch, the Harlem Sea, the Zuiderzee, the Dollart, have been produced in the extraordinary eruptions of the ocean. Where numerous changes have taken place in the islands, from the Texel to the mouths of the Elbe, in the windings of Limfjord, or on the coasts of the Kattegat and of the Baltic. Immense cuts, bays, and deep gulfs are formed during tempests, and these are still daily forming by the ordinary action of the waves, which sometimes carry away banks of sand, and sometimes destroy the dikes they had already formed. The action of waves is not confined to movable soils, but takes place on the most solid rocks and hence those daily modifications in the enormous precipices found on the coasts of France, England, and almost all parts of the world. The more abrupt the coast, the more it is exposed to the denudation from the waves, because directly breaking them, the shock is felt in all its force. On flat coasts, on the contrary, the waves meeting with no obstacle, advances as long as its force lasts, and until its rapidity is sensibly lost and it carries up in sand and pebbles much more than it destroys, even on the most movable soils. The natural disposition of solid beds is sometimes opposed, and at others favorable to the action of waves. It is opposed when the beds, being uniform and homogeneous, incline towards the sea, because the return of the wave along the slope or talus diminishes the action of the succeeding wave, the remaining force of which is spent in merely ascending the plain. The waters are spattered only by the crevices and fissures that may exist in the rock. But the same is not the case when the soil presents an escarpment to the action of the waters. The lower parts, continually attacked by reiterated shocks of waves, which nothing contributes to diminish, and degraded and excavated successively, and with a rapidity in proportion to the facility with which the substance is disaggregated. The upper beds being soon undermined are not long in being precipitated into the sea. In this way considerable portions of coast have been overturned at different times, 
promontories have disappeared, and others have been cut off and separated from the mainland. These effects are more rapid in places where a deep sea swallows up detached blocks, or in those where the force of the waves is sufficiently powerful to break up the debris, and wear them one against the other, and successively remove them, so that the foot of the escarpment always remains bare. When masses of debris falling from precipices are not immediately removed, a natural rampart is formed against the action of the waves, which break before reaching the foot of the escarpment. Then it is only in a long time that the debris are worn, rounded, and carried away little by little, depending on the solidity of the rocks of which they are formed. These natural ramparts are imitated as much as possible by piling rocks before the talus we wish to preserve on sea coasts or river banks. To the action of waves must be attributed certain excavations frequently found, on a level with the sea, in calcareous precipices, as well, perhaps, as the arches of greater or less height which traverse certain promontories. Nevertheless, this action does not immediately produce great results, except on matters easily disaggregated, such as chalk, clay, and arenaceous substances, and it is infinitely slow on more compact and harder substances. In fact, there are points where no effect whatsoever has been produced within historic times. The erosive power of water does not explain all these facts, nor even the impetus force of waves. The soils on which this power is exerted are cracked in all directions, either by previous action or at the moment of earthquakes, accompanied by violent agitations of the sea, and it is then they yield to the combined forces to which they are exposed. By this means we can account for isolated rocks, for islands in the vicinity of continents, for those great gaps through which the sea finds passage, for those groups of split rocks which form shoals in the midst of the sea, and for all those severings so common and varied on the coasts of France and England, in numerous islands that extend towards the North Sea, and in a great many localities. Deposits of Detritus Formed by Waters Although waters continually degrade certain parts of the globe, they create in a measure new deposits proportioned to those they remove. Torrents, after having torn away blocks and fragments of rocks, reduced them to rolled flints or pebbles, and carried them to a greater or less distance, deposit them, in proportion as the swiftness of the water diminishes, in the inferior parts of valleys they run through, or at the confluence with rivers, or in lakes. Hence the masses of debris, sometimes immense, the coarse parts of which are cemented by the mud, they deposit at the same time. Great rivers, running through valleys of little inclination, generally leave behind the coarser parts they have received, and only bear forward those whose weight is in relation to their force. But as their slope diminishes more and more, becoming almost insensible towards the end of their course, they deposit the matters they carry, and in this way generally elevate their bed, and finally they even bar up their passage, and divide into several branches each of which cuts its way through sands. Rivers have, in this manner, covered flat countries through which they pass with sand to a considerable depth and extent. In great freshets these sands are often taken up again, transported from one point to another, forming islands in the middle of the river, 
or alluvians on one of its banks while the other is hollowed out in rivers lakes or seas these deposits become most remarkable there if the current is not rapid enough to carry the debris to a distance in spite of the opposition of tranquil waters or if the waves have not sufficient force to remove the sands and mud which have been deposited they form deltas at the mouths of certain rivers the sea itself which in so many places has made breaches in the mainland in others heaves up and accumulates enormous quantities of pebbles formed by the trituration of rocks fallen from precipices or masses of sand and mud produced by the waves or brought down by the rivers in this way banks and beaches of greater or less extent are formed on coasts the finer parts of which carried inland by the wind form dunes there are many places where accumulations of this kind are daily formed and many points of coast have been invaded by deposits from the sea from remotest times sometimes by a single eruption entire kingdoms have been covered by sand and fertile countries changed to arid plains either in extraordinary tides or in tempests or by the sudden displacement of waters consequent on earthquakes low countries exposed to these alluvions daily grow at the expense of the waters and at certain points this growth has been estimated at several yards a year bays and ports have been filled up in this way buildings and towns formerly situated on the seashore are now far from it lakes have been transformed into marshes marshes into solid land and islands joined to the main by sands deposited around them the sea in some instances contributes to the growth of deltas torrents and rivers transport not only mineral debris but also organic remains immense masses of plants detached from ravines or by falls here and there great masses of materials are formed especially in rivers which are bordered by immense forests great deposits of debris of this kind are formed in the mississippi and its tributaries they there form immense rafts of trunks of trees interlaced which are stopped here and there by the sands and eventually are buried under the enormous alluvions daily deposited the mass of plants that the river carries is so considerable that it has been estimated at several thousands of cubic yards per hour currents of the sea also often transport immense masses of various vegetables marine plants and organic debris of every kind and from all climates which are here and there deposited in the bays these currents meet in their course this is especially the case as regards the great atlantic current the gulf stream the strongest and most considerable of all which extends along the coast of north america to the icy regions where the polar currents accumulate these debris with those of other parts of the world we cannot doubt on reflecting on the quantity of debris borne by the waters that lakes which receive rivers are filled up little by little by the matters daily brought into them this is evident in some places where marshes and considerable alluvions are thus formed the same must be true of the bottom of the sea where all waters finally come it is easy to conceive that there must be daily formed considerable deposits of all the substances which are carried there as well as those washed away by the waves and of all the remains of animals which perish in this vast abyss 
deposits of substances held in solution. Waters degrade and carry away different substances. Some they also dissolve, and afterwards deposit them, by evaporation, in form of solid sediments, which are sometimes more or less crystalline. To the infiltration of these waters, for example, is due all kinds of stalactites, from the Greek stalasso, eye drop, which form in various subterraneous cavities, and especially large in caverns found in calcareous countries. Certain waters are rich in dissolved materials, and sufficiently abundant to give rise to extensive deposits on the surface of the earth, those particularly which by carbonic acid hold a great quantity of carbonate of lime in solution, and which from abundant or numerous springs give origin to rivulets and even lakes, at the bottom of which is daily formed what is called travertin, or calcareous tufa. These waters are met almost everywhere in calcareous regions. Scattered over a flat country, or on the slope of a valley, these waters encrust the plants growing there, and from these agglomerated and superposed incrustations are formed considerable rocks, the mass of which is consolidated by waters which percolate the interstices they meet, and render the whole solid and uniform. When these waters flow over slopes free from vegetation, they deposit thin and successive layers, following the undulations, the whole forming compact masses which daily grow in thickness. In lakes into which waters of this kind flow, horizontal beds of solid calcareous matter are formed, which are often filled with fluviatile and even terrestrial shells, daily brought into it. Sands washed up by the waves, either in fresh water lakes or seas, are daily consolidated by waters more or less charged with carbonate of lime. Examples of this kind are seen in the sands of Lake Superior, in those of the Gulf of Messina, at several points on the coasts of England, of the West India Islands, chiefly at Guadalupe, New Holland, etc. These arenaceous substances often become sufficiently solid for building purposes. Silicious Deposits A great many mineral waters, particularly those which are warm or hot, contain, besides carbonate of lime, a certain quantity of silex, from the Greek chalice, a pebble. On this account, many calcareous tufas are more or less silicious. But there are springs in which the silex is sufficiently abundant to form considerable deposits of hydrated silicious deposits, sometimes nearly pure, and sometimes mingled with other substances. The tufas of the geyser in Iceland are deposited for nearly a quarter of a league round the spring, three quarters of a yard thick. One of these geysers, a word which according to some means spouting and furious according to others, spouts up every half hour a column of boiling water, eighteen feet in diameter and one hundred and fifty feet high. Analogous springs of hot water exist in the Rocky Mountains and in India, as well as in St. Michael's, Azores where the silicious deposits are found in thin beds, alternating with argillaceous substances which the same waters bring from the interior of the earth. Organic remains, particularly vegetable, are found in all, some of which have passed into the silicious state while others have disappeared, leaving only their impressions behind. Structure of Sedimentary Deposits Effects of Landfalls 
if we examine deposits of detritus formed at the foot of mountains by the daily destruction of its rocks it will be seen their slopes are very variable the greatest not exceeding an angle of forty-five degrees and the least being seldom less than twenty degrees the variations between these limits are found to be in relation to the size the form of the fragments and circumstances of the fall rather than to the nature of the substances themselves hence it is if at different successive fallings there are variations in the form of the fragments and in the circumstances of the fall there will be an accumulation of deposits the slopes of which will be successively less and which in ravines excavated by water will have nearly the arrangement represented where each additional deposit is thicker at its base than at the upper part it is evident the same thing may take place in stagnant waters whence it follows that from the fall of a river into a lake with steep banks a very considerable talus may be formed and from different accessions or growths which bring materials of different form and size deposits similar to those just mentioned may be produced effects of transport if in some places even under water beds may be deposited at an inclination of from twenty to forty-five degrees it must not be inferred that the same is true of extensive deposits where running waters if unimpeded may force the debris in every direction here the inclination of the talus is much less they never attain even the minimum angle of slopes formed of fallen matter and never reach even ten or twelve degrees only in exceptional cases of very rapid torrents or rather of true cascades at the place where they fall into a transverse valley and where there is as much matter tumbled down as transported the beds of the most rapid rivers are much less inclined and the successive deposits are for the most part nearly horizontal gravel and sand which the waves wash upon the coasts are also deposited at very small angles and slopes of ten degrees are exceptions even in localities exposed to the strongest billows most frequently they are much less and nearly horizontal it frequently happens during the drift or transportation of matters by current and by freshets in rivers when the bottom is disturbed that effects analogous to those of sea winds on dunes are produced ridges are formed across the current various matters pushed over these initial hillocks accumulate behind them forming a talus of successive fallings which impart the structure represented in figure two seventeen if the river change its course the undulated surface of the first deposit is soon leveled and quiet deposits are formed above from which the proceeding may be distinguished by the particular structure attributable to the circumstances of its formation these effects resulting from a mixture of rapid and tranquil deposits that is deposits formed from rapid currents and tranquil waters are very clearly seen in alluvions on river banks and particularly in deltas which terminate their course when the waters have excavated some ravine nearby we then perceive that the mass of the deposit is formed of horizontal layers having a surface more or less undulated which are distinguished from each other by the size of the component parts by the color by the structure produced by rapid accumulation either by pushing forward the material in the direction of the ordinary current as in the deposits a and b or in a different direction as in the deposit c which indicate counter currents formed at one time or another often there are particular masses formed here and there
which ordinarily consist of coarser gravel or of different organic debris. Effects of oscillatory motion. Great masses of water, subject, like the sea, to undulatory motion, present another order of facts. Not only are suspended substances deposited there in horizontal beds, as a more weighty fluid would do, but the slightest agitation does not permit any material particle to be solidly fixed on planes of the least inclination, but tends, on the contrary, to destroy all inequalities of the bottom. It is impossible to ascertain positively these effects at the bottom of the sea, but the immense number of soundings taken in all parts of the ocean by navigators show that all moving bottoms have very slight inclination, that slopes at an angle of half a degree are rare, and that all above this are exceptions. Hence it follows that in great masses of water, beds formed by successive deposits must be entirely horizontal. This fact is most clearly exhibited in certain lakes, which have been entirely or in part dried up, where alternations of beds, of every kind, are seen to be perfectly horizontal. Lakes Superior and Huron furnish examples of this. This disposition of various matters deposited from water, bed by bed, at the bottom of rivers, lakes, marshes, is termed stratification. The deposits themselves are said to be stratified. This circumstance eminently distinguishes deposits formed by water from those produced by igneous fusion, which are most frequently massive or regularly divided. Nature of Deposits Organic Remains Beds of alluvium are formed of rolled flints, gravel, and sand, as well as of various kinds of mud, analogous to matter called clay or argil. They are more or less consolidated, as much by their own weight as by waters charged with carbonate of lime, or various matters which may penetrate them. In lakes we see calcareous and argillaceous marls, which have the property of hardening in the air, as has been observed in certain half-dried lakes in Scotland, in modern building stone found in Hungary, and in Lake Superior and Huron. Similar formations doubtlessly occur in the sea, as waters are sufficiently calciferous to consolidate the sands thrown on its coasts, and the nature of upheaved deposits in many places leave no uncertainty in this respect. These deposits are frequently filled with remains of all the organized creatures now living on the surface of the globe. In river alluvium we find remains of fluviatile shells that still live in the same localities, or land shells, such as various snails brought thither by rivulets. There are branches and trunks of trees, masses of plants, more or less changed, sometimes partly bituminized, bones of terrestrial or aquatic animals, rarely human bones, but frequently the remains of arts, such as fragments of brick and pottery, etc. Alluvians formed by the sea are very similar. They contain marine debris of every kind, sometimes alone and sometimes mingled with fluviatile and terrestrial debris, brought into it by rivers. Debris of human industry, anchors, boats, etc., are frequent, and even man's remains exist not only in cemeteries of villages that have been overwhelmed by sands, but also among the debris cast up by the sea, as at Guadalupe, where human bones are found in a sand consolidated by a calcareous tufa, and mingled with debris of human art. 
in deltas formed partly of fresh water and partly by the sea we find alternate layers the one filled with marine debris and the others by those of fresh water but under other circumstances all these remains are found indiscriminately mingled argillaceous marly or calcareous deposits in lakes contain the remains of fluviatile and terrestrial mollusks similar to those now existing in the same regions remains of fishes and mammals are also occasionally found there is no doubt deposits formed in the sea also contain remains of the numerous animals that daily perish we learn from soundings that the bottom of the sea in many places is covered by shells broken or entire fragments of madrepore echinidae etc sometimes mingled with sand sometimes by themselves constituting considerable banks in progress of formation and consolidation coral reefs formations of stony polyparia agglomerated with each other often of great extent are thus named in intertropical regions they constitute a great number of islands on a level with the sea or submarine banks the mass of which rises more and more it is scarcely twenty years since it was supposed that the little animals which form these deposits by calcareous exudation had the faculty of living at great depths in the ocean it was thought they began their dwelling and gradually augmented the mass until it formed immense mountains the summits of which constituted the reefs and that they gave origin to most of the large islands formed in those regions these microscopic creatures it was said tended thus to fill up the ocean and were preparing prodigious changes on the surface of the globe but all this exaggeration had disappeared the observations of messieurs coy and gaimard having shown that the species which contribute most to the formation of reefs such as caryophyllae meandrinae and particularly the astriae which sometimes cover immense spaces and various madrepores cannot exist except at moderate depths and ten or twelve yards below the surface no trace of them is to be found it is then on pre-existing rocks already elevated under water often very steep on the sides as soundings show that these animals begin to build and from this they afterwards accumulate their solid product to the level of the sea where their last generations perish they cannot then fill up the ocean but the incrustations they form are not the less important since they are sometimes ten or twelve yards thick extending over immense spaces and these are found in a great many places in all seas comprehended between the tropics they crown most submarine mountains and cover thousands of square leagues distributed among thousands of islands and reefs these saxigenous polyparia attached to every kind of rock surround most large islands with their products forming around them a kind of rampart separated frequently by deep water in other instances they form islets detached or grouped in different ways and they are when there are breakers the more dangerous because they are not seen before being cast upon them and because the depth of water is so great as not to afford anchorage it is these deposits which render navigation so difficult in certain parts of the south sea and cause so many deplorable losses by shipwreck some of the forms assumed by these deposits at the surface of the sea are particularly remarkable and are not yet entirely explained sometimes these reefs are completely annular with a lake in the centre enclosed on all sides 
Sometimes they form broken circles, having one or more openings through which the center may be reached. Again, they are in groups of islands, arranged in a circle, and frequently there are several in a series. In these internal seas the water is often very deep, but sometimes very shallow, and an immense number of polyparia are developed, which sooner or later fill up the space. It appears evident that these circular reefs are the edges of different upheaved craters, upon which the polyps have established themselves. This is inferred from the volcanic nature of most islands in the Pacific, and from the manner in which submarine eruptions sometimes take place. Nevertheless, this explanation is not received as satisfactory in respect to many reefs of the kind, and particularly those which constitute the Maldives and Lacadives, groups in the Indian Ocean. The great number of circular groups found in certain localities, and the immense expanse which we must suppose craters of elevation to have in other places, are facts urged in objection to the explanation. Around coral reefs, as well as in the lakes they enclose, soft and white mud of calcareous nature, analogous to chalk, has been observed, which has sometimes been referred to the disintegration of madrepores and sometimes to dejunctions of worms which pierce the polyparia, or to those of fishes which feed on them. In many places in the South Seas, this mud seems to constitute considerable deposits. When a reef has reached the level of the water, the sea often covers it with debris of every kind, on which vegetation is afterwards developed. Most low islands in the Pacific have been produced in this way, all of which rest on masses of polyparia. A great many other islands have sprung up on their coasts in the same way, and there are many which will sooner or later grow up in the same manner, for now, at low tide, we may walk over reefs extending half a league from the shore. But one very important circumstance is that in many places we find precisely similar deposits composed of the same species of madrepores in the interior of land at an elevation of from 200 to 300 yards. This is seen at Timor, where the deposits are 10 or 12 yards thick, at New Holland, Van Diemen's Land, at the Marian Islands, Sandwich Islands, etc., where they rest on argillaceous schist, sandstone, limestone, volcanic products, etc. In the Isle of France, a similar bank, four yards thick, is found placed between two currents of lava. The existence of these deposits in such situations evidently indicates that all these islands have been upheaved from the bosoms of the waters, and often at several different periods, for we often find banks of coral at different levels. Peat, or turf bog. They are daily formed in different excavations of the surface, in valleys of gentle slope, in low and marshy situations, deposits of vegetable matter, the decomposition of which furnishes a combustible called turf or peat, and the mass bears the name of peat bog. These deposits are formed only under particular circumstances. They are seen only in places where stagnant waters constantly exist, and only in shallow depths. The presence of light is necessary to secure vegetation, to which peat chiefly owes its origin. The production of peat, to which all aquatic plants contribute, is principally owing, however, to those which are always submerged and which multiply rapidly. Their debris form the principal paste that envelops all the others, 
and probably contributes to their decomposition. A number of terrestrial plants also, brought to these bogs by brooks, contribute to the formation. Frequently large trees are found buried in the mass, particularly in the lower parts, where they accumulate on sands and clays which form the bottom. Often they are seen broken and fallen near the root, which is found attached to the bottom of the bog. In some instances, these debris are very numerous, and seem to indicate that entire forests must have been buried on the spot where they grew, before the formation of peat. The plants found in these situations all belong to existing species. They are resinous trees, oaks, birch, etc. Remains of mammals are often found in peat bogs, such as the bones of oxen, the horns of deer, tusks of wild boars, etc. Peat bogs rest on every variety of soil, sometimes even on crystalline rocks. Most generally, however, they overlie deposits of sand or clay, and sometimes the rolled flints of the country. There are places where accumulated debris of plants form but a single mass, of greater or less thickness, more compact and blacker at the lower part than in subsequently formed parts of it. There are other places where the different beds are separated by sedimentary deposits of alluvium, these are formed of sands, clays, calcareous or argillaceous marls, often containing freshwater shells in great quantity. Sometimes the surface of the deposit remains covered by water, and at others it is covered by a luxuriant vegetation. Peat bogs are numerous in different parts of the world. They occupy basins or depressions in the soil at different elevations, even in the Alps. One-tenth of the whole surface of Ireland is said to be covered by peat bog. In the great dismal swamp of Virginia and North Carolina, there is a deposit of peat from 10 to 15 feet in thickness. End of Lesson 7, Part 2